Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are dedicated to helping you live your best life. And it's a journey that we call pursuing limitless life in Jesus. And we're doing it all for one reason, so that our lives can impact the world. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. Well, y'all, last week we kicked off a new series called Detox. And this I placed it very intentionally in August because this is a time of the year where we kind of find ourselves maybe a little bit off track. You know, because it's summertime and like we're going on vacations and we're traveling and we're kind of just out of our normal routine. So, and none of those things are bad things, but how many of you guys are kind of just ready to get back on track, kind of get your life focused to move forward? Shalina's really excited. You're probably ready to go back to school and kind of get, get it rolling again, huh? So that's exactly why we're doing this series. And it's also why we're currently in what's called 21 Days of Prayer, which is something we do twice a year. We do it in January and we do it in August. Basically, as a church, what we're doing is we're all committing to spend one hour per day in prayer for 21 days straight. How many of you guys find that to be a challenge? Because I know that I do. You, you can admit it. It's okay. We kicked it off last Sunday, and if you haven't joined us yet, it's not too late. I really don't mind you jumping right in the middle of this. And maybe you did like join us last week, but you haven't been doing it. Well, that's okay, too, because we don't waste one moment in regret. We're just going to jump right back in and keep moving forward. So if you haven't done this already, go ahead and text PRAYER to 918-373-9883. And when you do that, what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you a daily text reminder. And it's also going to include a link to an online prayer service that you guys can watch every day. Because this is something we do alongside Church of the Highlands in Alabama. And they're, they're gracious enough to live stream a prayer service Monday through Friday at 6 a.m., their worship team has to get there at like five to get ready for that. How? Oh, four. They get there at four. Wow, sounds awesome. I don't know about you guys, but I'm really thankful that they'll do that. And then they live stream on Saturdays at 9 a.m., which is kind of funny because Amy Mitchell texted me yesterday. She's like, where's the prayer service? She texts me at like 830. I'm like, it's coming. They don't do it till nine on Saturdays. And she said they're slackers. But, you know, I, I can't say that about them because <laughs> you don't have to watch it at 6 a.m., though, if you're like, hey, that's just too early for me. That's okay, because they, they archive it. What I recommend that you guys do, though, is you pick a specific time every day that you're going to do this, because that's going to help you stay on track, because structure is always a good thing, isn't it? Or maybe not for you free, free spirits, where are you at? Woo! So what they do is they start with a song, and then they give, they give you some direction for your prayer time. They give you this short little message every day, which has been really powerful. Um, then they set you off on about 25 minutes of personal prayer time, and then you come back for the last 15 minutes where you pray with them. They have kind of like a prayer focus. All right, everybody cool with that? All right, let's continue our series about detoxing. And we saw this last week, the definition of detox is removal of toxic substances from living organism. How many of you guys at the, are, are glad that the toxins can come out? When it comes to a detox, so you might only thank your body. But the thing is, you're more than just a body. You're a body, you're a soul, and you're a spirit. And your spirit is that part of you that when you're born again, it's just made perfect. It's made just like God. So there's no, there's no detoxing that needs to be placed, needs to take place there because when you receive Jesus, it, it got fully detoxed. Can somebody say amen to that? Thankful for that. But when it comes to your body, I probably don't have to convince you that you probably do yourself some good to do a little detoxing there, right? Because we already live in a toxic environment. And then we like kind of compound that by putting things in our mouths that probably aren't the best for our bodies. And actually, uh, Dr. Mark Sherwood will be here with us next week to talk about a body detox, which I'm really excited about because Mark Sherwood, he's a, he has like this, this calling on his life and this gift to help us learn how to take care of our bodies. And I'll be quite honest with you guys. 
you're probably not going to like what he has to say next week. But you're going to be really glad that you heard it. And it may take you years to implement what he says, because <laughs> that's how long it's taken me for some things. But you're going to be really glad you know it. So don't skip out next week. Put on your big boy undies, your big girl panties, and just come and expect God to, to speak through Dr. Mark. But today I'm going to talk to you guys about detoxing your soul. So when we talk about your soul, we're talking about your mind, your emotions, your attitudes, things like that. And we actually talked about your mind last week, if you guys remember that. And if you didn't get to hear that, I want you to go on our website and listen to it, because really powerful stuff in there. Website's nolimits.church. You'll find our message right on the homepage. But today we're going to stay in that soul part, and we're going to dial in on like uh, your emotional and relational side of things. Doesn't that sound exciting? So let's start by revisiting the theme verse for this series, which is found in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. It says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness, and how can light live with darkness? And if you're like me, you've read this verse before, and you kind of like envisioned yourself over in your church bubble, and you got to stay away from everything in the world. But that's not what it says at all. Because you know what? How are we supposed to reach the people that don't know God, that need Jesus, if we're never around them? Because there's a stat out there, actually, that says that more than 50% of people will never step foot inside of a church their whole life. Are you guys content with those 50% of people to go to hell? Because we're over here in our church bubble. Do you think God is content of those 50% of people never hearing Jesus because we're afraid to go in to their environment? Not at all. So what... It, that's, that's like a whole other message, which I'll probably get into it sometime because I'm really passionate about it. It's a new revelation for me, the message I heard from John Maxwell at a recent conference that kind of lit me up. I was like, I got to get out of my church bubble, guys, because I'm pretty sure that I'm only around Christians most of the time. So I got to figure out what God wants me to do there. But what's this verse actually saying? Paul's simply saying, like, don't get too close to the world, right? Like, don't team up with him. Don't partner with them. Don't live with them. Those three words, that's a lot different than like just going into their environment for a little while to share Jesus, right? So because, what, what, are the, what do the world and the Bible have in common? Nothing. They're on two different pages. So let's go ahead and keep reading. What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. You know, it's funny. We like all get that you shouldn't bring ungodly things into the church. Like people who cuss all the time, they come into the church and they're like, not going to say that here. And we definitely wouldn't bring like sexual immorality or things like that into the church. But you know what, guys, if, if we're outside of this building, it's okay. Well, this verse kind of blows that mindset to smithereens, right? Because God doesn't live in this building. He doesn't want to live in this building. He wants to live on the inside of you. So the way that you honor and respect the church building, you should have the same honor and respect for your own body, if not more. Because God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. So in other words, God wants to be close for you, close to you. But in order for him to be close, you have to give up your closeness with the world. So the question throughout this detox series is this, what's in your life that shouldn't be there? You guys probably already thought of it. I didn't even have to wait that long for you to think through that question. And here's the deal. We're not talking about whether you're going to heaven or not. 
You can't earn salvation by what you do. It's a free gift by believing and accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Can we all agree with that? I don't, I don't want anything I say today to thank you, make you think that you're not saved because you're saved. You can't, do, you can't do anything to earn it. Amen? But the level that God is present in your life all depends on how close you are to the world or how close you are to God because they're on two opposite ends of the spectrum. It goes on to say, don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you. I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So awesome, the closeness of sons and daughters. Because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit, and let us work towards complete holiness because we fear God. So this entire series is how how do we cleanse ourselves from those things that contaminate who God has called us to be? And last week we talked about detoxing your mind. Today we're talking about detoxing your soul. So how do I know, or how do you know, if you need a soul detox? I'm going to show you a psalm here. Why are you down in the dumps, dear soul? Why are you crying the blues? So if you're feeling down in the dumps, you need a soul detox. And have you ever noticed how if the emotional part of you, like, gets out of whack, like it it messes with your whole life? Well, I'm here to tell you that you can get your emotions lined up with your spirit, which is that perfect part on the inside of you. And I'm going to help you with that. And when you do that, your life's going to be completely different. It's going to be so much better. But a true detox isn't just about taking the wrong things out, but you got to put the right things in. So today I'm going to give you four things to take out, then I'm going to give you four things to put back in. Here's the first one you need to take out, unforgiveness. So at the end of an awesome sermon about forgiveness... Pastor Rick asked all those, all those who had forgiven their enemies to go ahead and stand up. And everybody stand up except this frail, old, 98-year-old woman. Now, Pastor Rick, he was kind of shocked that she didn't stand up. So he asked her, he's like, are you, are you refusing to forgive your enemies? She said, oh, no, I just don't have any enemies. So the pastor was impressed and asked the lady, come on, go ahead and come to the front. Tell us how you've made it almost 100 years without any enemies. So she smiled, and she made her way to the front. She grabbed her mic, and she said, well, y'all, it's easy. I outlived all those suckers. (laughs) The thing about this joke is it's, it's true for so many people. Like, they live their entire lives in unforgiveness because somebody did something wrong to them, or maybe they mistreated them when they were young. And then you fall into this belief that holding on to the bitterness and rage is somehow going to hurt that other person. But the only one that's contaminated by it is you. I like this quote. It says, unforgiveness is like setting yourself on fire and then hoping the other person dies of smoke inhalation. And then the Bible says it this way in Hebrews 12, 15, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. You see, bitterness starts out as this toxic seed, and then it grows down into roots, and then it can come into full maturity if you don't take care of it. So some of you have corruption in your life because you've allowed unforgiveness and bitterness to grow into full maturity. Yet you don't think that's the problem because it's kind of like our health. Like we, we're real quick to like go treat the symptoms that show up, but we never really look for the root of the problem. Well, the root of whatever the issue you're facing in your life might just be unforgiveness. Like you might think that your life sucks because of your job or because you don't have enough money or because your kids are driving you crazy. But the real problem is you may have just held on to unforgiveness, and it's grown up into this fully mature, nasty thing. So you may remember a story I told you guys last week about Buck getting pulled over because he was swerving in the road because he was drunk. 
If you didn't hear that story, it's a good one. So go and listen to it on the website. Well, there was another time that Buck was headed to hang out with the fellas. And uh, when he got there, his friend noticed a big lump under his shirt. And his friend was like, Buck, what's going on with you, man? What, what's under your shirt? He said, well, I got dynamite under my shirt. It's like, why do you got dynamite under your shirt? It's like, well, you know, Frank? Yeah. Well, every time he walks by me, he slaps my chest and breaks all of my cigars in my pocket. Well, this time I'm going to blow his hand off. <laughs> That's exactly what you're doing when you carry around unforgiveness. You need to let it go. And I know it's not fair, but trust me, we don't want to get into the conversation of what's fair and what we deserve. Because you know what? If we went down that road, then we'd all have to pay for our own sin. Anybody? Anybody want to do that? So get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So the next time you think that you can't forgive somebody, I want you to take just a moment and remember all the things that Jesus has forgiven you for. Because this one thought process will give you the power and the strength that you need to forgive other people. So do yourself a favor and forgive. Joyce Meyer says that a lot. Just let the person off the hook. Holding on to that unforgiveness is not going to do you any good. All right, here's the second one, comparison. You know, I find it interesting that we actually live in a culture that's so me-focused, and yet we care so much about what other people think. Like, how does that make sense? Like, we post pictures on social media, and if nobody, like, leaves a nice comment, like, our feelings are hurt. Or we blaze through the grocery store, like, unaware of everybody around us. We're, like, in the middle of the aisle, you know, and somebody's trying to get around us. We don't even realize it. Anybody ever done that? But yet, then we, like, hide things in our cart because, you know, the things we don't want people to see because we, we care about what they're thinking. So because we only care about ourselves, we actually want to make sure that everyone else around us approves of us and, and likes us. And this is really toxic because comparing yourself to those around you, especially on social media, will get your life so off track, it'll be so fast you won't even realize what's going on. You see, James 3.14 says, But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Man, don't you love how passive the Bible is about this subject? Like, I just wish there was a little more clarity on this. <laughs> For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Oh my goodness. Nobody ever told me that, like, comparing myself with those around me was going to be so detrimental to my life. So I'm sure glad that James was bold enough to let us know what was going to happen. But I hope you now see how big of a deal this really is, because we need to be intentional about stopping the comparison trap, which is exactly why one of our six core values is the comparison trap stops with me. Instead of worrying what other people think about you, you need to find out what God thinks about you in his word, because you know what? That's the only thing that matters. It doesn't matter if people like you. It doesn't matter if people agree with you. It doesn't matter if they think you're pretty. What matters is that you were given new life in Christ. He's anointed you, and he's gifted you for a specific purpose. I can promise you that. God loves you unconditionally. You're right with God, not because of what you did or didn't do, but because Jesus paid the price for you. You have been healed. You've been set free, and God has a great plan for your life. Every single person in here, there's nobody that's exempt from that. It's for everybody. So if social media has you in a constant state of comparison, get rid of it. 
I'm serious. Like, just delete the app on your phone because it's not going to help you out at all if all it does is cause you to compare yourself with those around you. All right, here's the next one, and that's anger. And some of you are mad that I even put this one on the screen. But seriously, have you noticed how people out there are just angry all the time? Like, if, if you didn't notice, just drive down Highway 169 and look at the, the look on people's faces and those driving by you. And actually, just a few months ago, I was driving down 169. I was headed south. I was about the 21st Street area. I, I needed to get around somebody. So I looked in the left-hand lane. There was nobody there. Got over. And seriously, like, I was just about to pull over back into the middle lane because I don't hang out in the left-hand lane like some of y'all do. <clears throat> And here comes this car, like, flying up behind me, probably going, like, 90 miles an hour. And seriously, whenever he, like, got to me, like, I was already making my way back over. And so he may have had to wait, like, two seconds for me to get out of the way. And as he drove by and flew by, he was waving thank you with just his middle finger, right? <clears throat> the funniest part about this story is, like, after he passed me, he exited. Like, he was flying around all of us to get to the exit. Can anybody explain that to me? <laughs> that didn't make any sense to me. People with outward and loud anger, they're easy to spot, <laughs> like the guy in the car. But there's another type of anger. And I'm going to call it turtle anger, where you kind of just stuff everything on the inside. You may not be skewing out on, spewing out on people, but the problem is there's these little explosions going on on the inside of you all the time. And even though you're being quiet about it, we all know what's going on. Because when you walk in the room, we can feel it. <laughs> And if you look at the overall mindset of Americans, you know what one of the top emotions is? Anger. Everybody's upset all the time. Like they're upset about the economy. They're upset about the government. They're upset about the school system. And they're upset that the waitress didn't get their order right. And the problem is every time you allow yourself to get upset, you pollute not only your own life, but you pollute the lives of those around you. Well, James asked us, let's head back there, what's causing these quarrels and fights among you? Well, that's easy. It's him. It's my wife. It's my kids. It's my boss. Seriously, seriously, though, if I asked you all this question, like for real, your mind would immediately go to the person that you think is responsible for making you angry. It's never us. It's always somebody else. Well, I'm a little nervous to tell you guys that the Bible actually answers this question with another question. I think you all can handle it because we are in the book of James. Don't they come from the evil desires that are at war within you? I hate to tell you guys, but it's you. All the anger you deal with has nothing to do with the other person. It has everything to do with what's going on, the inside of you. You know what I've noticed is the common denominator in all the arguments that I get into? I was there. So what does it look like? Like, what's going on on the inside of us that causes us to get angry? Well, James explains that to us, too, thankfully. You want what you don't have. So you scheme and you kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and you wage war to take it away from them. In other words, you want something you don't have, and that's exactly where anger comes from. It's really that simple. Let me give you, like, a real-life example here. Like, you want your boss's job. Or at least you want a salary. So you get mad over just the smallest things because of that. You just want something you don't have. You want some peace and quiet. So you get mad at your kids who are in the next room just having a good time. Or you want your emotional needs fulfilled. So you get mad at your spouse. 
because you think that they should be the ones fulfilling those. So what do, we, what do we do when we want something that we can't have? If we can't blame somebody else, what's the answer? Huh, James gives us that answer too. This is so good. I love this. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Did you know that all that turmoil on the inside of you is not your spouse? It's not the person who cut you off in traffic. It's not even Washington, D.C. Go figure that, right? Your soul is toxic because all those situations that you didn't take to God. Instead, you tried to force some other person to comply and fix it for you. So I'm going to help you with this, but I first want to give you one more toxin that we need to get out of our soul, and that's worry. How many of you guys find yourself worried? Like you're worried about the economy, you're worried about the weather, you're worried about your kids, you're worried about your job. This is something that I struggled with for a long time. I used to worry a lot that I would die prematurely. I worried that I had heart problems. I worried that I'd lose my job and wouldn't be able to support my family anymore. And because I worried all the time, I was stressed out, which means I had health problems because stress causes health problems. And it affected my ability to work because I spent all my energy on worrying. Isn't it interesting that the things we worry about end up coming true? Like we worry about it because we think it's going to keep it away from us, but actually all it's doing is inviting it. Come on in. Come on in. And Jesus actually had something to say about worry in Matthew 6, 27. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And this is a rhetorical question, of course. Like Jesus is basically reminding us that worry, it doesn't add anything to your life. It actually just takes away from your life. But you know what it takes to get rid of worry? Willpower? No. A simple perspective shift. Like if you think that this is the only life that we get, you have a reason to worry. But if you change to an eternal perspective and you remind yourself that we have this life and then we have eternity, everything changes. Like you don't have to worry about death because it's just a transition into your eternity. You don't have to worry about financial provision because you know the one who created the heavens and the earth and owns everything and has exactly the answer to your situation and knows exactly what you need. So you got to shift your perspective from this life to eternity and all those worries are just going to melt away. So we just talked about the four toxins to eliminate, unforgiveness, comparison, anger, and worry. And like I explained last week, for effective detox, you can't just take things out. You've got to put the right things in. So let me give you four things to feed your soul. And the first one is right relationships. You see, when you, when you hear a message like today, you may just envision yourself. You're like, I just need to go have more quiet time with God and like, so we can talk about this and talk about it some more and then talk about it a little more. And yes, you need to go talk to God about everything. The good, the bad, and the ugly. I promise you all, he can handle it because he already knows about it. You can't hide anything from him. But at the same time, God's plan for us is to connect with others who are on the same journey because you're going to receive the support that you need to press on through it. You need people you can go to when you're about to blow up and tell somebody off. And you need that person who will remind you that we don't do that and we'll pray that God gives you peace and strength. This is exactly why we have small groups so you can find those right relationships. Listen to me. We don't have small groups because you need another church service or because you need something else to do. Anybody need something else to do? That's not why we have small groups. We have small groups because you need right relationships. And that's why we don't really care if you guys gather because you all like cars or because you're all entrepreneurs or because you all want to study the book of James because it's so awesome and uplifting, right? 
The topic isn't why we gather. It's a simple reason to get us to gather, right? We gather in small groups because we need each other. We need close relationships with others so we can be open and honest when things aren't quite right in our lives, and we need those people to walk alongside us as we find and receive healing from that. So do you have people in your life that you can be open and honest with? Do you have people who will talk you off the edge and encourage you when you're about to blow up? Do you have people who will support you no matter what? Well, this is exactly what you'll find in our small groups, and we actually just wrapped up our summer semester of small groups this week. Let me hear from my entrepreneurs out there. We had the best group because we met at 6.30 in the morning, so that's why it was the best. And they did it. I'm so proud of them. We got up early. But our fall small groups actually start in just a few weeks. We'll probably start announcing those next week or the week after, the ones that are available to you. So when we start announcing those groups, you owe it to yourself to pick a group and commit yourself to the group. We do these in semesters, so it's like it's not like this huge commitment. It's not like you're committing to something for a lifetime. You're committing to something for 13 weeks. And then if it wasn't what you expected it to be, you have an out, <laughs> and then you can try a new group the next time, right? So you need to be around people who love God and love you unconditionally because this one thing will bring so much healing and peace to your life. How many of you guys have liked small groups? Okay, how many of you all hated small groups? Uh, Montana. And he was even in mine. That's a problem. Check out this quote from Jim Ron. You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And then the Bible says it this way in Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get yourself in trouble. All right, here's the next thing you need to feed your soul. That's God-defined identity. Let me tell you, God made you on purpose, for a purpose. So he is really the only one who can help you understand who you really are. Your mama can't tell you. Your friends can't tell you. Hollywood can't tell you. And all those comments on social media definitely can't tell you who you are. Only God can reveal who you really are and the great plan that he has for your life. And that's why Galatians 6, 4 says you got to make a careful exploration of who you are and the work that you've been given and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. And don't compare yourself with others. So please, please don't waste any more time trying to be someone that somebody else expects you to be. Did y'all catch that? And please stop trying to fit into culture. What you need to do is divert your energy into finding out who's God, who God has created you to be in the work that he's called you to do. Because here's the deal. If you, if you don't define yourself, there's plenty of people out there that will define you for you. And you can't let that happen because you're going to be unfulfilled. You're going to be frustrated until you actually find what God has called you to do. And you may be sitting there thinking, you know, okay, this, this all sounds great. But the problem is I don't know what God's called me to do. And you know what? You're not alone. Every single person starts there. Every single person has that struggle, which is why I'm so excited to announce that in October, we're going to be starting something brand new that we've never done in this church called the Growth Track. It's a four-week journey to discovering your purpose and learning how you can make a difference in your life. Like seriously, it just takes four weeks for that God-given purpose on the inside of you to come alive and for you to fully realize what it is. And we're going to assist you along that journey. So raise your hand if that's something you're interested in. How many of you all want to find your purpose? And we're prepping everything as we speak. 
and you'll have an opportunity to start the growth track in October. I'm stoked. <laughs> it's going to be awesome for you guys. All right, here's the next one. Crucified life. And that's kind of a churchy word, right? So let me explain it to you. Like, I'm not saying that you have to go home and torture yourself. And I'm not saying that you got to go hang on the cross for an hour every day. <clears throat> but what I am saying, living a crucified life is simply taking time every day to examine what's in your life that shouldn't be there and then putting it to death, throwing it away. And that's what this whole series is about. We're examining the things in our lives that shouldn't be there, and we're detoxing them. We're eliminating them. We're putting them to death. And can I let you in on a little secret? There's always going to be something. Like, don't look at me and think that I have it all together and never have anything that I have to detox out of my life. You want to come up here and share? (laughs) Actually, just last week, I was trying to be funny at our entrepreneur small group. And I actually ended up saying something hurtful to our small group's leader, Chris Wills. And when I got home that day, the Holy Spirit revealed it to me. And so I detoxed that, and I reached out to Chris Wills and encouraged him. and said, that is not how I think about you. That's not how I feel about you. I'm sorry. I should have never said that. This stuff happens to me all the time, guys. <laughs> so that's why we have to live a crucified life. That's why we have to be looking for those contaminants and be really intentional about detoxing them. Guys, and we need to be really sensitive to when the Holy Spirit brings those before us, because He doesn't bring them before us to condemn us. He just knows that you need to get that out of your life, because none of us wants toxins in our life. Galatians 2.20 says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Amen. All right, let me give you the last one. But before I give it to you, let me tell you something. The earth doesn't have what it takes to make you all happy. As Americans, we kind of live with this unrealistic expectation that as soon as I make more money, as soon as I retire, then I'll be happy. But can I tell you something? The air conditioner in your lake house is going to break down too. Your dream car is going to have the same problems that your car has right now. And when you make more money, chances are you're still going to be living paycheck to paycheck. Because we, as humans, have this tendency to go ahead and raise our expenses along with our income. The perfect life that you've envisioned in your head, it's going to make you unhappy too. There's going to be something there that makes you unhappy. You could have the perfect marriage, the perfect kids, the perfect house, and there's still going to be something that makes you unhappy. And that's why you need to nourish your soul with this last thing that we're going to talk about. Because without it, you're never going to be free from that discontentment. And here it is you got to have an eternal perspective. You can't make earth your home. Like you have to live with eternal perspective because you don't live once, you live twice. Right? We have this life, and then we have eternity. So don't put everything you have into this life. But at the same time, don't discount this life because what you do in this life has an impact on your eternity. You remember a few, mes- or a few months ago we had a message, you only live twice, where we talked about all the good that you do in this life, you're going to get rewarded for in heaven. Super awesome. Every time you do something good here, you're heaping on this this treasure pile in heaven. I don't know what we're going to do with that treasure pile, but it sounds pretty cool to me. So everything you do should be looked at through the lens of eternity. So when bad things happen on this earth, don't be discouraged because you don't belong to this earth. You belong to God, and you're just passing through here. And while you're passing through, you actually have one responsibility. Just one. You need to live your earthly life in a way that draws other people to Jesus. 
And when you're focused on this because you have an eternal perspective, everything you need while on this earth is going to be provided for you supernaturally. You know how I know that? Because it's God's promise. God says, live your life for others, and I'm going to take care of all your needs. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Live your life for others, and you're going to find an unthinkable amount of joy and peace. Colossians 3.1 says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. So right where you sit, I want you guys to just go ahead, bow your heads, close your eyes, and I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to give you an eternal perspective. Ask him to fill you with power and courage to live your life with an eternal perspective focused on leading others to Jesus. Go ahead and take a moment right now just to have that conversation. And for some of you, there may just be this little tug on your heart that's just pulling you in, that's asking you to come closer. And it's time to surrender your life to God and receive new life from Jesus. Maybe, maybe you said the salvation prayer years ago, but then you just kind of went on and lived your own life and you're ready to come in and refocus. Or maybe it's the first time that you're gonna give your life to Jesus. And if that's you, if you're ready to do that, I'm gonna say a prayer and I want you to repeat it with me. And when you do, what Jesus is going to do is he's going to wash you clean. He's going to give you new life. He's going to fill you with joy. He's going to fill you with purpose. So church, let's all say this prayer together. Jesus, I've been living without you, and I don't want to do that anymore. I've done a lot of things wrong, and I need your forgiveness. I accept your love and grace for me and ask that you would be my Lord. Thank you for making me new. Thank you for washing away my past. I hand my life over to you. And I ask that you would help me walk out your plan for my life. Amen. And if that's the first time you've prayed it, or maybe you just rededicated your life to Jesus, I want, I want to hear about it. Like I want you to come up to the front and tell me after service, just so I can celebrate with you because that's a really exciting, it's a, it's a, what do you call it? A catalyst moment of your life. Amen, amen. Well, guys, I love the word. <laughs> it's so good, even whenever you're like reading James and it just slaps you in the face. You're like, wow, I'm so thankful for that because I needed it. But before we go today, I actually want to give you guys an opportunity to give. 
Because when you guys give, did you know you're not only furthering the mission of this church, but you're part of all the missions and outreaches that we do as well, including Don't Look Back Prison Ministry, uh, the Mexico missions, Philippines missions, and all that, all the other things we get to be a part of. And actually, we sent over $29,000 outside of these doors to support other ministries last year. And that's super awesome. Like, that's something we're able to do because of your generosity, because we're all coming together and we're all playing a part in this, this calling of God. So if you're giving by cash or check, just raise your hand for an offering envelope, and one of our ushers will get it to you. If you're giving with a credit or debit card, you can use those instructions on the screen behind me. Or if you're listening online, just head to your browser and type in nolimits.fyi, kind of like nolimits.com, just put .fyi instead, and then tap on the giving button. All right, while you guys are preparing your giving, I want to invite Amy Mitchell up here, because she's been participating in 21 Days of Prayer, and I just asked her to share a little bit about how that's been going for her. (laughs) Well, when Kate asked me uh, last night, I I have to tell you, I was raised Presbyterian. So when you're raised Presbyterian, you always want to be kind of, you know, publicly pure about everything and and do things right. So um, I really had this strong temptation to come up here and say... Hey, I get up at oh dark 30 every day, and the first thing I do is I wake up bright and shiny, and I start singing, praise God from whom all, all, that's it, praise God from, see, it's been a long time since I've, I've been Presbyterian, and I thought, nope, 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 okay, can't, can't do that, so here's the truth, I can be spiritual for about two, maybe three days in a row, and that's basically it. <laughs> so by day six, day six was Friday. And I woke up when I opened. <laughs> and I do a couple of things and I look at my phone and I just thought, oh gosh, the eternal struggle, good over evil, what am I going to do? So on the one hand, honestly, I was, I was thinking, okay, I could be really good. I'd go get my water to help me wake up. I could go in my office, my quiet space, get out my Bible, listen to the service. Or, you know, I could just be bad. Who's going to know? And go back to bed. So in true Amy fashion, I compromised. I took my phone back to bed with me. <laughs> I'm telling you all the truth because we got to be real with each other. We have got to be real with each other. I was not ready to get up. I thought, okay, I'm listen to the, the service in bed. So I did. It was awesome. So I'm laying there, you know, and it comes on, and they've got the music, and they're pumping everybody else. Oh, sing hallelujah. Yay. And so the, the uh, pastor comes on, and it wasn't the lead pastor, Chris Hodges, right? It was not him that day. It was one of the pastors from the smaller campuses. So I'm laying in bed, you know, super spiritual, as you all can tell, and thinking, it's not even the lead pastor. <laughs> what am I doing up trying to listen? And I, you know, I just want us to be real. So I'm laying in bed, and this man starts talking, and he tells a story about how he used to work out a lot, and he'd go to the gym, and there's these people lifting weights, and um, they had spotters. They had somebody to spot for them. And he had the mindset, well, that's, that's a weakness, he doesn't need anybody. He's a big, big guy. Doesn't need anybody to spot for him. And so he starts doing his sets. And he does the first set of 10, whammo, he's got it. Second set of 10, no problem. Third set, halfway through, problem. <laughs> and he's got the weight. I can just see it, you know, picture it. And he's thinking, oh my gosh, I'm in trouble. Really in trouble. And what am I going to do if I, 
you know, my muscles are shaking. And somebody came over to him and said, hey, you got this. You got this. I'm right here. I'm not going to let this fall on you. You got it. One more. Do one more. Do one more. Well, I was awake by this point. (laughs) I'm listening to this guy. I'm like, yes, we all need a spotter. He's like, one more. Okay, you did that one. Do two more. Come on. I'm right here. I'm not going to let you fall. Come on. You got it. You got it. One more. One more. And I'm like, yes. (laughs) So we need each other. We need each other. We need each other. If we can get somebody, I have to work on this myself. I do not have enough good people in my life who are feeding in. And so the first thing you know, you know, I'm not remembering who I am, who you are. You know, we got this. Read the word. If you can't get into a habit, I'm right in there with you. Listen to somebody. Speak the word. Find just somebody good that can, that can speak in. Plug in and reach out. I mean... <sighs> We're all hurting, and we're all kind of banged up and bruised because that's, that's the way of the world, right? And so all we have to do is connect with each other and reach out and remember and just spot for each other and be willing. You got this. You got this. That marriage is going to work out. You know, that kid is going to straighten out and keep praying and keep hanging in there and, keep, and, and just keep loving each other. So that's what I got out of Friday's message. <laughs> Man, I tell you what, she was preaching it. I knew I saw your face for some reason because I was typing in my sermon notes on Friday. It's like, have somebody come up and share for 21 days of prayer. <laughs> They're like Amy's face just like crossed my mind. That's how the Holy Spirit speaks to me a lot is in pictures. So now I know why. She had a little preach in her that she needed to get out. And that was some good stuff. And in the spirit of honesty, I feel like I should go ahead and make a confession. It was on Friday as well. I actually didn't even get to hear that message because I didn't participate in the prayer service that day because I woke up sicker than a dog. Like, I'm serious. Everything hurt. My throat hurt. My ears hurt. My muscles hurt. I felt like I had the flu or something. And so I, I laid in bed. And my prayer time consisted of, God, knock me out because I need to go back to sleep. Please let me sleep. And that's about how spiritual it was that day. <clears throat> so there you go. Even I have a struggle with it, but hey, we're pressing forward. I'm excited about tomorrow. I'll be getting up at 6 a.m. to be a part of that prayer service. Y'all seriously dig into this because God's answering prayers and he's given visions and he's given direction. He did it for me last time. He'll do it this time. I know we haven't like done too good of a job over the last 10 years of creating a culture of prayer in our church. So it may be a little bit of a struggle for some of you, but just keep, keep pressing in because it'll, be, it'll come your culture. It'll become something that you do because we all need prayer in our lives. So I put the information back up on the screen for you if you're on the fence. If, if I want Cade's daily text reminders, you want them because it's going to make a difference in your life. So just text that prayer to the number on the screen, and you'll get those. All right, y'all, let's pray over our offering. God, we release this offering to you. Take it, multiply it, God, and, and use it to make a huge difference in our church and this community and all around the world. All around the world, God, we thank you that you multiply it in our personal lives too. God, and I, just, I speak prosperity over every person in this room, and I speak generosity over every person in this room because the reason you give to us is so we can give to others, and we fully accept that call, and we fully accept that purpose in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. And a special thanks to those that give into our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And hey, if you were encouraged by this podcast, hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening and God bless you.